Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, welcome in. Five o'clock. We're kicking off the Patriots post game show. Once again, Christmas is ruined. Um, <laughs> the the Patriots, the Celtics did it yesterday, and then the, the Patriots doubled down and, and ruined Christmas. Uh, Evan Lazar here, and uh, you know we'll get into a few aspects of this game. I guess just the thing I'll open up with Evan is, you know, you can get, you know, it, fans tend to get mad at losses, you know. I don't know how mad you can get here. There's definitely some things the Patriots could have done better, but Buffalo just beat them. Um, and Buffalo's offense just marched it up the field uh, at will. They never punted. Um, Patriots tr- did some stuff okay. They just weren't good enough. Uh, and Josh Allen just beat them today. Yeah, I, I think that's a, a nice summation of it. I think in past weeks I've come on here and looked to hand out silver linings or or uh, moral victories because you have a young quarterback under center. But this late in the season, we're in week 16. We're in crunch time with the division on the line and these big playoff-type implication games. And to be honest with you, the last two weeks have not been good enough on any level. I I don't care where you point your finger. It's all true, right? They weren't good offensively. They weren't good defensively. Uh, Obviously, last week they had issues in the kicking game. This week, a little bit cleaner there, but who cares? And at the end of the day, in a game like this, there are systemic failures, execution failures, a lack of personnel in certain areas, I would say, and deficiencies in certain areas. The the whole thing, right across the board, was not good enough there today. And I think the most frustrating part for me, watching the game here at Gillette, was the lack of energy and how flat this team came out in a game that was essentially an AFC East championship game. Yeah. Right. This was an SEC. Me and Alex talked about on the podcast. It's sort of like an SEC championship or a big 12 championship game where you win this game, you win the division more or less. And the Patriots came out flat. They came out terrible on offense, couldn't execute, couldn't string plays together, couldn't get off the field on defense and give up. Didn't get the bills to punt or turn the football over, except on that one turnover on downs late the entire game just not good enough across the board. And at this point of the season, at this point in Mac Jones's career, he's now 16 starts into his career. We're done with the moral victories. We're done with the, uh, well, you tried hard and you came back in the end and you made it a one score game. The Patriots defense in particular at the end of the game, just not, they never could make that play to get over the hump defensively. This has happened multiple times 
to them on that side of the football now where, yeah, you got to blame the offense for putting yourselves in a deficit, in a hole. But against Miami, against uh, New Orleans, against last week against Indy, this week against Buffalo, the offense at least climbed them back into the game, made it a one-score game late, and all it takes is one stop. One stop, one turnover, one swing in momentum, and all of a sudden the Patriots offense has the ball down one score late in the game. And the defense has not made that play all year long. It, it's definitely frustrating to see them just fail on so many levels for two consecutive weeks and let this division and now fighting for a wild card berth, all this kind of slip through the cracks. It's, it's really not, we, we can't just sit here and say, oh, well, it was a nice first season for Mac Jones anymore. We got to hold them accountable for these last two weeks. Yeah, so the coming out flat two weeks in a row is really surprising, and uh, you know, especially coming off a bye, and then you know, a little bit of excuse making. I didn't love last week, and you know, not right. a good week of practice, and all of that stuff. So you figured that would have been a blip. Seeing it two weeks in a row really sucks. But you're right, and when they've needed stops at critical junctures throughout the season, they haven't gotten them, even in games they didn't play perfectly. The defense. In this case, uh, the most alarming thing is Buffalo never punted. I mean, they took yeah. set, they took the ball seven times into the red zone, should have scored seven times. They scored six, um, you know, because you stopped them on that fourth down uh, situation one time. But that's brutal uh, for the defense all day. A lot of it came down to, yeah, Josh Allen magic with a couple of things. You had him in the backfield there, um, you know, with Jamie Collins one-on-one late. They could have really used that stop there. The shovel pass, uh, obviously, to Diggs. Um, and then just conversion after conversion to friggin' uh, Isaiah McKenzie, who, you know, right. did his Wes Welker impersonation today. And just poor Miles Miles Bryant's not going to – he's going to be seeing that in his sleep. Um, you know, you want to talk about adjustments? We talked about it a little bit. Um and I think you asked about it in the press conference, uh, how didn't the Patriots account for that? If there was one thing consistently killing them all game, it was it was that. That matchup there consistently killed them. You can't account for Josh Allen being a physical freak and breaking free and running free from stuff and doing special things. That's what special players do. It's going to happen from time to time. But all right. game long, you had McKenzie doing whatever he wanted on Bryant, and you just left the poor guy there on an island. You asked Bill about it. You didn't get much of an answer. Yeah, I, I want to say two things. First and foremost, going into this game, Josh Allen, uh, we said it, Greg said it uh, when I did the podcast with him previewing this game. If Josh Allen was really as good as everybody claims that he is, especially in Buffalo, he was going to be the best player on the field today. And to his credit, he was the best player on the field today for either team. He was terrific. And I think the biggest thing with Josh Allen that really changed this game for the Patriots versus the last time that they played him was the Pats were playing those early down zone looks, cover uh, quarters, and then rotating into cover three at times as well. And Allen was willing to take the check downs. And some of the Patriots defensive players after the game spoke about that. Kyle Van Noy said it was something that really hurt the Patriots because Allen early on in the game was willing to take six or seven yards underneath the defense. Yep. And that forced the Patriots to press a little bit because they, they can't, you can't stop everything, right? You can't stop the plays over the top and stop the plays underneath. There's just too much field to cover. Well, uh, with also, any offense. also, I think you're also concerned about Allen running. So you're always leaving somebody right. there kind of spying. And I think no pressure on Allen. You had so many situations. The first touchdown was one of them, but almost, you know, several times throughout that first quarter where they're just, 
the DBs were covering for five, six, and seven seconds. It was just a brutal, uh, you know, they, they, there was, they made it, they, they made it easy on him at times too. Yeah. So you look at his passing chart and, and Josh Allen had one completion over 20 yards in the entire game. They really limited the explosive plays. There were no yeah. real big plays down the field by Buffalo's offense. I think his furthest pass traveled 28 yards or the, the total game of the play was 28 yards. So that's a pretty good job of keeping things in front of you and limiting those big plays down the field. But the reverse of that was they gave up eight ton a ton of plays underneath the defense and Allen to his credit was willing to take it we we talked about this so much with him was he willing to take the profit was he willing to dink and dunk his way down the field and he did just that he took the opportunities down the field when they played man-to-man coverage and they got Isaiah McKenzie on Miles Bryant Stephon Diggs had a few wins obviously against J.C. Jackson but Allen was terrific today And, and he made all the right decisions within the framework and the structure of the game plan. And I thought that was really the biggest difference that I've seen. Look, the the game last year, the second game last year here, when the Patriots defense had 17 guys out and COVID opt-outs and all that kind of stuff, that game was great. But let's be honest, this was a much better Patriots defense that Allen carved up today. So this was the best game I've seen Josh Allen play against the Patriots, bar none. He was terrific. And you look at what the Patriots defense wasn't able to do, like you mentioned, I just don't know how uh, you sit there and you let Miles Bryant time and time and time and time again get torched by Isaiah McKenzie. If it was close, if Bryant was battling and he no, had a he couple wasn't catch breakups and, no. Bri- and, and McKenzie had a couple of big catches on him that you posterizing him, you know, contested targets, that type of thing, then I would have said, okay, he battled with him. Wasn't close, wasn't competitive caught 11 of 12 targets, was an absolute nightmare. And I looked at this at the defense and I said, okay, well, you don't have Jawan Williams active in this game because he's a bust. You don't have Sean Wade active in this game as another option. So what do you do? What is the other alternative there? The only thing that you can think of is maybe you just, for a series, you try Jalen Mills on Isaiah McKenzie and you put Brian on Emmanuel Sanders, who was clearly disinterested in playing this game here today and was really a non-factor. So if they start throwing at Miles Bryant on Emmanuel Sanders, then you kind of have to say, well, they're just going to pick on Bryant no matter where we put him. But McKenzie clearly, clearly had Bryant's number and was just dusting him in man-to-man coverage. And the Patriots coaches let him out to dry. And if I'm a Patriots fan, that's probably the most frustrating thing. McKenzie coming into this game had 38 receiving yards on the entire season. He had 125 in this one game, almost quadruple the amount of production in one game that he had all year long. So you look at that and you say, wow, you, there has to be something else that you throw at him. There has to be something else that you can do. There has to be another option. Now you ask, oh, why didn't they double him? Well, they didn't double him because the safety is worried about Stephon Diggs, right? So Diggs is, is the game plan. You're trying to take him out of the game. But at some point in time, you got you to gotta throw something something at Isaiah McKenzie other than Miles Bryant. And you can't just get beat like that uh, with McKenzie, because really, if you look at uh, across the board, uh, Allen did a really nice job of spreading the ball out. But if you take some of those targets away from Isaiah McKenzie and some of that production off of Isaiah McKenzie, because he threw something else different at him and were able to find something, there wasn't really anybody else killing the Patriots 
Stephon Diggs had a Stephon Diggs game, right? 80-something yards and a touchdown is what you would expect from Stephon Diggs. Isaiah McKenzie was the X factor. He's the reason why Buffalo won this game outside of Josh Allen. Yeah, so on the flip side of it, and you're going to get this a lot, you know, I mean, and you see the chat filling up with it. Um, yeah. the, the defense got torched all all game long. They, they weren't able to make plays when they had to. Um, they couldn't get off the field. And that was that. I mean, like I said, his team doesn't punt and they're in the red zone. They basically felt like they had, they were in the, you know, Patriot side of the field the entire game, but the offense was brutal. Uh, you know, a very anemic offense, save for Damian Harris, you know, having a, you yeah. know, a Patriots running back style game. I don't think he was, you know, spectacular by any means, but they, it's a team that can still run the football and they did, they, they were able to do, do it with some success there. Um, Mac Jones, I don't know where this is going to rate in terms of his overall games. Um, he missed a lot of throws early. Um, he did it the same thing last week, but, um, you know, he rebounded with a very strong second half. Uh, he wasn't really great at all today at any point in the game. Um, and, uh, you know, you'd say, like, looked like a rookie. He didn't look like a rookie. He just looked like a so-so to bad quarterback from for most of the day. Then the other thing people are going to, uh, you know, the, focus a lot of their ire on is the weapons. Uh, when the quarterback yeah. struggles, you start to wonder, well, who the hell does he have to throw to? And when you're when you're into the fourth quarter and you've got nothing from Harry, who started the game, um, and you threw to a couple of times, and he had a critical drop one time. Uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, you know, before that, uh, Bourne, who was definitely on a pitch count coming off of the COVID situation, um, didn't really get involved until late. And Hunter Henry, zero, uh, you know, didn't have his first catch, I think, until the fourth quarter. And then John U. Smith was once again a total non factor in the passing game. You start to, like, who are you throwing to? Like, wh what's what are you what are you trying to accomplish here? And again, you have the bird's eye view, you're in the press box there. It's hard to really know who did he miss and blah, blah, blah. And you can't see all of it until you go back and look at the film. But, you know, yeah. why was the offense as bad as it was today? I got to be honest with you, John. I'm not usually the separation guy, right? I don't usually come on this show right. and say the, the receivers are the problem and they didn't get any separation and they got, don't have a wide receiver one and they don't have anybody that can get open. Today it felt like Buffalo secondary blanketed the Patriots down the field. And there were not a whole lot of downfield opportunities, even schemed downfield opportunities. For example, Josh McDaniels tried to dial up a downfield shot on that flea flicker that once again was horribly executed. The, on the slowest top developing flea flickers in the history of, of, right. of yeah. besides the point, I've never seen the, anything like it, but yeah, go ahead. Well, when I, when I'm looking at that play, I say to myself, man, the guy that is the deep target down the field for the Patriots on the deep over route on the flea flicker is Christian Wilkerson. That, that's where we were at today, that Christian Wilkerson was their quote-unquote deep threat. And I also look at guys like Hunter Henry and Johnny Smith, and I don't want to fully blame the players for this or the, you know, the, the individual players for it. I, I put a lot of the blame on Josh McDaniels, not necessarily so much with Hunter Henry, but in a game like this, right, where you say, okay, one little design scheme touch for Johnny Smith, something with some sort of creativity, uh, something that catches the defense off guard with some misdirection or some sort of fake to him, something, right? Where he is, is a versatile play, uh, player and is a got a unique skill set. 
you never know because look, Mac didn't play particularly well. He wasn't in a great rhythm in this game. And one of those plays by Johnny, let's say he breaks a tackle and, and goes for 20 yards down the sideline on some sort of steam type of play. All of a sudden you, you have a, some rhythm, you have, you have some success, you have some momentum. So the lack of creativity with a guy like Johnny Smith is really killing them as well. Because when you look at Hunter Henry, and Johnny Smith, and you stack that tight end duo together, the Patriots are committing way too many cap resources for that pairing to have one catch for nine yards in the game. They just can't, if they're going to be a successful passing offense, they can't have that. They cannot have the tight ends do absolutely nothing. That's the, the point. Entire game. You bring them in at that. That's what's so perplexing. Uh, we talked about this early in the season when they struggled. The frustration here was, you know, and this is less a Henry and more of a Janu situation, which was, well, they got to scheme it up for Janu. He's not the kind of guy that you just line up and play. Right. Well, what did you sign him for is the question. Like, you knew what you right. were getting, right? The idea was, I know his skill set. It's going to work perfectly with what we want to do here. It's going to be a focal point of the offense. Everybody's talking about Gronk and Hernandez in a two tight end set and how many times they're going to run these guys and they're going to exploit those matchups. And, I, you know, I want to see the snap count. I mean, John, who I know is mainly being kept into block at this point. I, I'm curious how many routes he ran, period, or how much he was yeah. even on the field. Um, but Henry was Henry wasn't even looking for the ball today half the times it was thrown to him. I mean, it was just a total disconnect game. So Henry right now, if you remove the red zone target, the red zone stuff, he's a total friggin' bust. He almost, he never catches the ball between the 20s, it doesn't seem like. So, um they're really not getting anything out of this duo. Aguilar is another situation. He's not even there today. But right. to the point, to the point, they, people the, have, fact is, the fact is they missed Nelson Aguilar a lot in this. Yeah, game. they really did because just to Nikhil pull the Harry, defense, right? Nikhil Harry not only has a bad drop, is targeted on Max interception. Although that's not really his fault that the ball was deflected before it even got there. Right, him. right, right. The point, the point is, is that Nelson Aguilar's speed is a much bigger factor than I think any of us really, I keep, I kept on saying it. People kept on telling me that I was putting a lipstick on a pig by saying Nelson Aguilar helps him stretch the field and helps the middle of the field coverage get off the tight ends and born in Myers. Well, here was a perfect example of a game where they had absolutely no threat whatsoever down the field. And it really allowed this Buffalo secondary to just collapse on those guys in the middle of the field and the tight ends and Myers. Warren was clearly, like you said, limited due to the lack of practice time. And I thought later on in the game, they finally said, you know what, F it, we're just going to go back to our basics and go back to our, our training camp stuff and put Bourne out there because he's a better player than these other guys. But he was somebody that clearly was limited or was on a pitch count or maybe even physically limited just because of uh, the week off with COVID and everything like that. So he wasn't himself. It didn't seem like even when he was out there running routes, this was the first game in a while, uh, maybe one of the first only games all year long where I have said it did just did not feel like anybody was open down the field for Mac. And I'll go back and watch the tape, and I'm sure there will be opportunities where I said, oh, well, he probably missed him here, and he probably missed him there. But I'm telling you, this was not one of those games where I'm scratching my head like there was five, six, seven wide, you know, wide no. open receivers down the field that Mac missed. This was yeah, one of those games where guys were all over people. Yeah, he missed a couple throws, but 
everyone could see those. You know, those were ones that were there. But you're curious, right? How many you know guys are running free that Mac didn't see? I don't think a ton today. I think no. the Bills were all up in their shirts, uh, and it gets frustrating because it's, it's again is even through the winning streak you were getting enough and you were getting a balanced attack and four receptions here and five here and 50 yards and 60 yards and a little, you know, kind of potpourri, you know, you know, poo-poo platter plus being able to run the football was enough, but a day like today really highlights. You, you hate to have losses that highlight the things that you're most concerned about with the team. And, you know, today, yeah. I think everything, all of the Patriots weaknesses were laid bare today. I want to take a second to shout out our friends at betonline.ag. BetOnline has you covered all season, more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football season continues the march to the playoffs. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the sports action this season. Head to our new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code CLNS50 to receive your bonus from basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. Oh, yeah. Speed in terms of in the second level, the front seven, right? If you don't put Adrian Phillips and Kyle Duggar in those shallow zones and you get Dante Hightower I don't have the snap counts yet. Uh, I don't. I don't uh, track them live. But Dante Hightower did not play a lot in the second half of this game. They pulled him off the field basically because they recognized that he couldn't cover or play in space, and Buffalo was really exposing him in that capacity. So they made a decision in the second half and said, "We either have to have Hightower or Bentley out there. We have to have one or the other. We can't have them both on the field at the same time because it leaves us too slow in the middle of the field." You knew that going in. You knew that, look, if they're going to play this early down zone structure like they've done a lot during this uh, turnaround, if you will, up until the last couple of weeks, you have to rally, right? You have to come get to football. Instead of giving da uh, check downs and allowing them to gra uh, gain eight, nine yards, those check downs have to gain four or five. That's how that strategy becomes effective is when you truly limit the amount of yards after catch, the uh, space underneath the defense. The short passes were there all day, and it was a big problem for him. As you said, the, the lack of weaponry. I, I think I've defended Nelson Aguilar on this postgame show, even though he hasn't put up the production in the box score, but I, I've known how effective he was at taking the top off, taking the deep safeties with him. You know, There were so many opportunities where the Patriots, for example, when they tried to throw uh, Max through into double coverage in the kill Harry on the post route, they're trying to run that cross post concept that they run all the time off of play action, and neither guy was open. The cross wasn't open and the post wasn't open, and normally it's Nelson Aguilar on the post that's taking the coverage up the field and uh, opening up the middle of the field for that intermediate route to fill in, and, and there's just not a whole lot there uh, for the Patriots in the passing game. So you look at uh, speed, depth, certainly on the defense side of the ball with Miles Bryant being elevated into that number one star role, our nickel corner. And you also look at the lack of receiver talent, especially with Aguilar out and Bourne essentially a, a, a non-factor or somebody that was playing on a limited capacity. Uh, those two things really hurt the Patriots. But man, it, it, you're right. It's frustrating when the things that you knew were the flaws get absolutely exposed. And that's what happened here today.
So we will talk about it a little bit. I just want to kind of a little promotional message uh, for those of you out there watching. If you can and you haven't already subscribed to our YouTube channel here for all of our live post game shows, plus live podcasts featuring Evan, featuring Greg Bedard um, and all of our Patriots coverage. You can find it all there. Uh, Patriots Press Pass. Give us a like. Give us a follow. Uh, subscribe. And, uh, and, and, and take part in all of our exclusive Patriots video content. Once again, that's Patriots Press Pass. Now, Evan, um, the thing we're looking at is kind of the long term, you know, what this means yeah. and things we know what it means. We know right now outright that the Bills um, control their own destiny and the Patriots have lost control of their destiny. Uh, Patriots are now still likely to make the playoffs, but the Bills have, are in the driver's seat. Uh, with wins in their next two, they automatically clinch the division. Two extremely winnable games for Buffalo. So at this point, you pissed away the AFC East and and a, and a home game most likely. Um, chance to still get in the playoffs. The question is, what do they even do if they get there? How much of what we've seen now is a concern? Um, you know, and again, would have been better if the indie game was a blip and you built off that second half right. and you came out and you played well. But now you've seen it twice. Uh, you've seen when the game's on max shoulders alone, it, whether it's him not being ready, the offensive weapons around him, it's not a winning formula. And the defense, we all agreed in order for this team to have any chance had to be elite. I, I think we were fooling ourselves into believing this had a chance of being an elite de defense. They have a, they're, they can be a good defense when, when, when yeah. everything goes well, but they're not elite. We're not talking about the Ravens or friggin', you know, one of these not current day Ravens, but teams that win Super Bowls with their defense. The Patriots are not one of those teams, even back to 2018. Yeah. Uh, you know, so, right. so who are they? What are they? Um, and what can you expect from them? Do they need fluky things, breaks, things to go right? Is there a, can you, recapture some form of an identity with only a couple of weeks to go entering the playoffs. Yeah. I'm not really sure. So I think the good, the good thing is, or the, the positive spin on it is, is that you do have, especially next week against Jacksonville feels like one of those college tune-up games, right? You play your, your Ohio state and you play Appalachian state in the beginning of the season to, to make yourself feel good and, and grow some confidence in yourself and make some good plays and, and put some of that momentum together. So if they can springboard Jacksonville and they can come in here kind of like that Jets win. I remember a couple months ago, yeah. the Jets come in here, they won, what, 56 to 10 or whatever yeah. it was and blew them off the field. And that <laughs> is what spearheaded that seven-game win streak, and that's what got the season turned around. So if they could do something similar with Jacksonville next week and then build off of that with a really tough schedule-type game against Miami in Miami in Week 18, I'm not saying the Patriots are going to make a run to the Super Bowl, but at least they can be a competitive team in a wild card game when that time comes. But I think what we're learning about this Patriots team right now is frustrating. I didn't want to lead with this because I think that this is putting it, kind of letting them off the hook a little bit for what happened out here today, which was a, a flat, uh, no good performance. But I think what we learned about the Patriots in the last two weeks is that maybe we are a year too soon for all of the their back talk, right? I'm not saying that they're not that they're going to fall back down and, and not be a playoff team next year and all that kind of stuff. But I think maybe this year uh, the seven game win streak was great, but maybe the team got a little bit overhyped for what they actually are at this stage of the rebuild. It's year one, it's max rookie season, so I, I think maybe they were just a year too soon. 
to really pull this off and win the division, with, especially with Buffalo being in the division, who is a very good team. And having a good team in the division like the Bills, it was probably year too soon to sit here and say that they were going to be AFC's champs and the number one seed in the conference and all that kind of stuff. It, maybe this is truly a – not even maybe. I, I believe that this is truly a reflection of who they actually are as yeah. a team, that that seven-game win streak uh, wasn't necessarily <laughs> – uh, the team that they were, but this team now a nine ten type win team was probably who they were going to be from the beginning if all things went well. And you have to take that as a positive as a Patriots fan that this was probably close to the best case scenario for the team this year in Max rookie year. Most likely a ten win season uh, with a rookie quarterback was as good as it was probably going to get, even for Bill Belichick. So I think that's where you kind of go with this is you look at it and you say, maybe they're just a year too soon for all this hype. And, and next year and, and beyond, remember, uh, this is a four- to five-year window. I would probably call it more like a four-year window, but you could extend it to that fifth-year option with Mac if you want. It's a four- or five-year window with a rookie quarterback on a rookie contract, right? That's and fine, yeah, yeah. Josh Allen at this point uh, is on that fourth year of that contract. They make the AFC title game last year. Uh, they look like they're going to be another uh, tough out in the playoffs again this year. And that's where you want to be. Uh, but Rome wasn't built in a day. And I think maybe we got a little bit too ahead of ourselves because of Belichick, uh, because of who the players uh, were, some of the veteran guys. But they simply were are not ready to be that team yet. Maybe they, they are, will be, but they yeah, aren't yet. They are not. But what I think is going to kind of eat at people is not Mac in year one might have been slightly overhyped. It's that the Patriots went all in on free agency and that yeah. should have been able to uh, insulate, you know, Mac in. Uh, well, I think, know. I think that's what's going to get them to 10 or 11 wins, right? Is the fact that they did bring in a lot of talent in the off season and overhaul this roster quickly. But I think as we have pointed out some of the flaws uh, in this team, I do think that they are still a couple of players short of being championship caliber. And I think that that's what we've learned the last couple of weeks is we have learned that maybe there are some real deficiencies in this roster that are too and hard to overcome. And that's the bummer yeah. is that you, you spent more than anybody, not especially on the offensive side of the ball, bringing in th four pass catchers, four pass right. catchers here, and you're getting a, a plus season out of Bourne and then not a lot else out, out of that, out, yeah. of, out of that group. And despite spending all that money and addressing the need, you are where you are right now, which will, will probably will be, uh, by a significant margin, the worst skill position group entering the playoffs. Uh, and, you know, certainly near the bottom of the league uh, as it is anyway. And that was after addressing the problem. So addressing a problem and having it still be a problem is in itself a problem. And I think when you have the games like this, it brings it back up. I do think, as you said, that seven game win streak masked a few things. But the reality yeah. is they're not getting enough there. Um, and you were just hoping over the evolution of the season, things would click, whether Mac would be allowed to do more or the chemistry would develop. But you hate to see it go backwards with two games to go in the year. And that's kind of what's what I feel has happened here after the bye, which is just so bizarre that they've come out like this the last couple of weeks. And, you know, as you said, the execution being so poor and the uh, effort yeah. and the, uh, the focus be them being so the flat have bad dumb penalties so slow starts exactly yeah the starts have really been what i think look i the reason why i brought up some of the stuff about how maybe they were just 
a year too soon for some of the hype that they were getting and maybe they aren't fully there as a team is is one thing is that you put it in one place in terms of the big picture but a small picture or just looking at these last two games you played two games that if you win them you probably have clinched the AFC East already. You have a, like I called it an AFC East championship game here at your home stadium and you come out flatlined. I mean, just totally flat on both sides of the football. And it really seems like it took this team back against the wall the last two weeks to light some sort of fire under them and get them going. And that's just simply not, it's not good enough. It's inexcusable of the fact that they are starting so flat. And so, uh, just lethargic in these games is it's mind it's mind blowing. I, I, I don't know how it happens, especially in a game like this where you're playing for the division. It, this is for all the marbles in terms of the regular season and the standings and all this kind of stuff. And to, to come out with no energy and, and no rhythm is really shocking on multiple levels. Yeah. It is at this point. I don't know what uh, you'll do when you go back to the drawing board here. I guess, you know, we've seen them do it already this year, um, you know, come out and look, look different and look better. So again, I guess at this point, you know, you you just look at these next two games as kind of get right, get into the playoffs. And then uh, a lot's going to be matchup dependent here in terms of um, what they're going to be able to do. Uh, and who yeah. they'll, you know, who they'll have to yeah, face. But... If, if they draw some of these younger quarterbacks that are in the AFC playoff picture right now, a Herbert, a Burrow, someone like that, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Bill Belichick can, can scheme up a game plan to, to limit some of those guys and, and make those guys one-dimensional and, and kind of get after them a little bit. So I think there are matchups in the AFC where this defense can look really good against some of these teams that are probably going to make the playoffs. I mean, just looking at the seating right now, Cincinnati is currently the three seed, right? So that would be the matchup. We uh, in the wild card weekend, they'd be traveling to Cincinnati to play the Bengals. As good as the Bengals look today, as good as the Bengals have looked at times, I'm still pretty confident that Bill Belichick can make Joe Burrow second guess some things and, and have a have a bad day, right? I mean, Joe Burrow's second year in the league, so go up against Belichick would be a tough draw uh, for Cincinnati. So I still think that there are. Uh, matchups in the AFC East or in the, in the AFC in general uh, that the Patriots could uh, have a you know be able to uh, limit and and be able to win those types of games. But to be these good teams, to be in Indianapolis, to be Buffalo, to be Kansas City, I, I don't know if we're there yet. Plus, the Patriots have a lot of good tape on on Cincy. We know that, right? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, you did. You had had to make that joke, didn't you? (laughs) You said they're going to Cincinnati. What can you do? Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah. So we'll see what happens. Uh, you know, two more to go. Uh, and, uh, Patriots again, still, uh, according to, you know, whatever, uh, you know, different analytical sites you want to, you know, point to are still a 90 plus percent chance to get into the playoffs even after the loss today, but they've definitely, made it tougher on themselves. Miami's lurking. Um, so you really don't want to lay an egg against Jacksonville next week and have your entire season come down to that one. Um, yeah, if they get to 10 wins against Jacksonville <laughs> next week, it's going to be almost impossible. For almost impossible to not to. So you win that yeah. and you're in. Yeah. Um, but that's that's it. So um, I'll leave Evan to his writing. Once again, make sure you uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel and uh, check us out at clnsmedia.com. Evan will have a write-up about what went wrong uh, in today's uh, 33-21 loss to the Buffalo Bills in Foxborough. Drops the Patriots to, what is it now? 
Three and five? Nine, they're nine in and Foxborough? six. Foxborough? Oh, in Foxborough? Uh, yeah, I think that, I think that's right, yep. In Foxborough, which is pretty bad, guarantees a losing record, but also, uh, you know, at, at home, um, but also gives the Bills a driver's seat in the AFC East. Patriots now, more likely than not, will be entering the playoffs as a wild card. They will not be hosting a game. Um, and right now, depending on seedings, you could be looking at a Cincinnati. You could be looking at – there's a couple different options there. Um, yeah. So we'll see how it goes. But, again, clnsmedia.com for Evan. Any final thoughts before we wrap it? I, you can't you can't let them off the hook for the lack of energy. Honestly, that's the right. one thing I keep coming back to, and the fact that they were not good enough at taking the kicking game out of it on offense and defense. They were not good enough the last two weeks in any area to win those two games against two good teams. So uh, that speaks to me. Uh, we can point to coaching. We can point to miscues. We can point to the fact they let Miles Bryant out to dry that there today and let. Josh Allen continued to beat that drum going to Isaiah McKenzie. I didn't like that. I don't like some of the usage of some of the personnel on offense, but ultimately you got out ex- executed two weeks in a row and maybe the Colts and the bills. And I'd probably throw the chiefs in there are just better than you at this stage of the rebuild. And I think it's really that simple. I don't think anybody, I think it's honestly, it's hard to argue. That's not the case um, with the bills. Yeah. And I think we knew it was fluky last time around that win. Uh, in the snow, and we said toss that. You can't really look at that. Um, right. I I believe a rematch with the Colts, the Patriots would find a way to win that. I do not believe in Carson Wentz. The Bills, I think, are a more complete team. But sometimes you get 2019 Josh Allen instead of 2020 Josh Allen. Today you got the best version of Josh Allen that we've seen, or as good as he can be. Yeah. Uh, he was really dynamite, and uh, they have that, and you don't. And you've just got to kind of live with it. So. Um, that's where we are right now. There's definitely a couple of teams in there where you look at their overall talent level on the, on, on their sideline versus the Patriots and they're better. Um, but as Evan said, it's still year one. It's year. It's, yeah. it's, 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 this is, I think that's the, that's the impatient gene in all of us, right? It, it happens needed to be, it needed to be a Super Bowl immediately, right? Yeah. It couldn't, it couldn't be a two or three year rebuild. It had to be an immediate rebuild. The Patriots still have a ton of building blocks and a ton of positive things to come away uh, from this season. But right now, as we sit here an hour after uh, the final whistle, I'm not going to get into the silver lining to the, the uh, moral victories at this point in time, because I know people are frustrated, but once we can look at it from a bigger picture later on, I think we're going to recognize that this is a good foundational year for the Patriots. It might not just be, it might not be there the year yet, you know, just a good foundational year instead. Yep, so that's what we have. Uh, we'll wrap it up. As I said, check it out. Evan will have something up uh, shortly on CLNSmedia.com for a written version of uh, of today's uh, uh, loss to the Bills. Uh, and then Patriots Beat will be live on Tuesday, I believe. So make right. sure that you check that out. And again, subscribe. You'll get notifications when we're about to go live. But look for us on a Tuesday afternoon. We'll have plenty more stuff on that YouTube channel coming out later today and then tomorrow as well. Uh, thanks for uh, watching. Uh, Merry Christmas. After the fact, everybody out there, happy holidays uh, and happy new year. We'll see you guys next week.